Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 33. Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Residential architecture is very different than any other building type. The scale is different, the materials are different, the details are different, and our clients, well, they are very different. The life of a residential architect is very challenging. The psychology involved in a successful residential architecture project is something that can only be learned after many years in practice. The process from acquiring the project discovering what our clients really want through designing, developing, and ultimately working with residential contractors to bring our clients' dreams to reality is much like giving birth, raising a child, watching her become an adult, and letting her go off out into the world. It's not easy, and every project is like another child with all the joys and pains of parenthood. And the money we make compared to many of our commercially focused brothers and sisters is often also very different. We are launching small businesses with little knowledge of how to succeed, with little support from those who do. And only after years of trial and error, successes and failures, do we finally learn how to keep food on the table for our families. Well, 
There's a group, there's a growing group of residential architects who understand your pain and want to do something about it. Today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm chatting with Rand Selner, a founding member of Arch, also known as Architects Creating Homes, the only American organization of licensed architects focusing exclusively on residential architecture. As a residential architect myself, I found this conversation very interesting, and I think you're going to like it too, so stay with me. But before we proceed with this week's feature topic, I want to just let you know about this week's blog post article over at EntreeArchitect.com, Seven Reasons Why Small Firm Architects Should Not Abandon the AIA. As a proud AIA member, I recognize that many small firm architects are frustrated with the organization, and I too want change, and I continue to work to influence the direction of the profession. But recently, many of my friends, each of them small firm architects, have chosen to leave the AIA and have written about their reasons for doing so. This week's post is my respectful plea to them and to any other small firm architects out there thinking about dropping membership. I think there are many benefits to an AIA membership, even for a small firm architect, and I've listed just a few for you to consider. So if you're interested in my thoughts, I invite you to go to entrearchitect.com slash AIA and check it out. And I'd also love to know what you think. What are your thoughts about AIA membership for small firm architects? So when you're finished reading the post, please leave me a comment over at the blog. Rand Seldner, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. It is great to have you here. Um, you have, uh, you and I have been bouncing back and forth on the uh, on the internet and talking a little bit about uh, the things you're doing. So w- before we get into what you do and and how you do it, I'd like to get sort of your origin story, like I do with most of my guests, to get a, a sense of where you've come from when you sort of had the idea to become an architect and, and tell us a little bit about your, your story from that point to where you are today. Well, okay. Uh, I'm 63. So, so that goes back quite a ways. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have plenty of time. Okay. Well, <clears throat> when, um, I was, uh, a young boy, probably, I don't know, 12, 13, <clears throat> uh, my mother, uh, thought she sensed some interest in architecture and there were some homes designed by Frank Lloyd Wright where I, in the city where I grew up, South Bend, Indiana. And so she <clears throat> would pack me up in the family car and we would uh, drive over there once in a while to different places. And uh, they also took me to a World's Fair, um, probably before your time, Expo 67. Yeah, that's before me. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, that really did it. <clears throat> um, I was about a sophomore in high school by that time. And uh, I saw Softies, uh, unique uh uh, living quarters there and uh, Buckminster Fuller's big <clears throat> sphere and uh, all these other fantastic things. And, and that was it. I uh, started taking drafting courses in high school and, and almost immediately started designing homes and making models of them. And <clears throat> so I then uh, went to the uh, University of Florida where I got my bachelor's and master's degree in architecture. And uh, then I subsequently uh, uh, worked for a little while designing hospitals in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, with a company there. And then I worked for about 23 years in Orlando, um, designing, um, 
all sorts of things. I'm the architect of record on about half of Jurassic Park for Universal Studios. I've done uh, projects for the Orange County Public School System um, and uh, restaurants and homes and uh, facilities for the Air Force and uh, restaurants, all kinds of things. <clears throat> and uh, But always homes, residential architecture and condominiums seem to be kind of a love of mine, particularly single family homes. And so I gravitated towards that. And during about the last 15 years or so, I decided to relocate uh, to the southern tip of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina, which is a very scenic area, <clears throat> very mountainous. And uh, I got tired of the heat from Florida. And so I'm what's called a halfback. Uh, that's what they call people that go from uh, the Midwest down to Florida and come halfway back. <laughs> and so uh, here I've fostered my uh, business as a residential architect and specifically in a niche area uh, called mountain mountain style and uh, as you know times were very good from about 2003 through about 2009 and then of course the bottom dropped out of everything and just like almost all architects were just trying to survive <clears throat> since that time. But um, interestingly enough, uh, about 2012, we, we found some kindred spirits uh, through the AIA, which I was a member of off and on since 1982. <clears throat> and uh, we decided to uh, start a, a new organization, not a company, but an organization called Arch, which is what led you and I to uh, uh, talk about those interesting things. And uh what year did you start your firm, your your um, your residential firm? Well, I, I started uh, Selner Associates Architecture in 1984, <clears throat> and my current company, which is uh, Home Architects, uh, is simply an offshoot from that. Mm -hmm. and, wh and when did you move to to North Carolina? That <laughs> was around uh, uh, around 2000. And you do uh, a mountain style. So tell me a little bit about about that. What what is mountain style? Well, uh, believe it or not, we actually carry through a lot of the ideas of Frank Lloyd Wright. Even though my work doesn't really look much of anything like that, um, I used to work for one of the the main apprentices of Frank Lloyd Wright, a gentleman named Neil Schweitzer, who passed away um, in Florida many years ago, and uh, it, it has large open plans. <clears throat> um, it's, it's sort of like uh, arts and crafts style on steroids. Um, all the uh, bracing and bracketry is very muscular and large. Um, little, little posts like four by fours we would never use. We, we favor much larger, beefier things. And uh, uh, quite often we might use a slate roof uh, when the budget permits. Um, there's uh, steep roofs, uh, particularly on front elevations, like 12 and 12 pitches. Um, large glass areas, particularly off the rear, which we normally call the view side. Um, rock. Um, and sometimes we'll use like an exterior chair rail out of a, uh, like a, a, a oversized historic timber. That's might be a three by 12 <clears throat> out of a barn. And, um, have maybe some kind of siding underneath that or rock and then above that maybe go to a random board and batten <clears throat> um, and <clears throat> how we handle window grids and so forth is also kind of unique and have transoms and 
uh, just a lot of detail involved too. And it's remarkable <clears throat> that when you do things in the mountains, there's a lot of structure involved because you need to do things. Uh, there's a term called pinning to the rock, for instance, for your foundations. And if you come from Florida, you don't know about that, that could really be a disaster. So uh, I, I learned about those things from structural engineers. And because uh, when, when you're building on the side of a mountain, you need to make sure that everything's stable. And so you gradually learn those things and become efficient at it. Yeah, it sounds like a, a really fun style to design. It really is. Uh, I used to actually do very contemporary, even futuristic uh, projects, particularly commercially, and tried to do some of that for homes. But you know what? Um, very few people, very few clients seem to want that. Um, my wife, uh, Mary, like Merry Christmas, she is a uh, real estate broker around here, and uh, she can't sell them when she gets them. Uh, she can sell mine. Yeah. For a profit, but there, there's there's another architect around here. I like his work very much. He's very contemporary, and they just doesn't it just doesn't sell. Yeah, um, just not what they're looking for. No, because it's kind of like you know, like I said, I you know worked on Jurassic Park. Uh, this is like a mountain theme park, and so when when well-to-do people from Atlanta come up here to buy homes, they really are not looking for um, uh, things that they might find down there yeah. in an in an urban environment that they, they, it's kind of like a big mountain theme park. And so, uh, you know, if you'd like to be able to earn a living and survive, you might want to be thinking about doing that. Right. You give the market what they're looking for. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, so arch, uh, arch fascinates me. Tell me a little bit about what it is and then we'll get into, uh, you know, sort of where it came from and all that. Well, uh, okay, first, why don't we identify what ARCH is? It, ARCH is an American organization of licensed architects focusing on residential architecture, professional excellence and achievement, client value and service. It's a, uh, it's essentially similar to the AIA in that it is like a professional organization, a professional uh, club, if you will, um, specifically focused on the needs and issues facing licensed architects that design homes. Um, so that's what it is. So no home designers and no non-licensed architects. Well, that's correct. Uh, and we prefer to dwell more on who it is and who it's for rather than who it's not for. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Yes, sir. Um, and it's just so people know it's, it's spelled capital A, lowercase r, capital C, capital H. That's right. And it's pronounced arch. Yeah. And um, if, if you type in your computer, A-R-C-H colon architects creating homes, you'll find us at the top of Google. Yeah. And so so what's the history there? How did it happen and, and why did it, did it happen? Well, um, every single member that's in Arch right now has been or continues to be a member of the American Institute of Architects. Um, we by no means uh, exclude uh, anyone from the participating in whatever organizations work for them. <clears throat> um, we uh, encourage people to belong to groups uh, that feed them. And by feed them, we mean actually help put food on the table and that feeds them intellectually and helps uh, address the issues that are of concern to them. Um, and uh, 
all of us have been active in the IAA for decades, me since 1982. And uh, it's timely that you uh, had your recent post uh, from yesterday evening on your website, um, to which I responded. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, but we're, we're not, once again, we're not saying, hey, if you're in the AIA, you can't be an arts. That's not the case at all. And when I left the AIA, I, I said to Dave and some of the other people there, I said, look, you know, the AIA is a very worthwhile organization, does very good things. Um, I just think that we need to have a focus now that is focused strictly on licensed architects who design homes. Because, um, as I'm sure all your audience members know, if they don't know, that the AIA has many members that are not licensed. And uh, we believe that there's a, a, a primary focus that licensed architects have that design homes. There's a unique market there. Uh, we're in competition with a lot of unlicensed people. And so we prefer to focus on just the issues that are relevant to what our members have as their main concerns. Right. So this is purely a, an organization to help residential architects, licensed architects, and certainly not a, uh, an, an anti-AIA. Exactly. Um, and I'm glad that you said that. That's that's exactly what we're trying to do. We, we're trying to keep everything positive and uh, focus on what uh, we want to have happen and what we've accomplished and what we're growing and trying to do. Um, uh, there's 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 many things we think uh, give people an advantage to being an arch member, and uh, at some point, uh, I'd love to address some of those whenever you're ready. Sure, let's let's get into that. You know, the just to clarify, my uh, the post that I wrote, the article that I wrote is um, why small firm architects should not abandon the AIA, uh, mm -hmm. and and for anyone listening to this in the future, this is this is May. Uh, it was posted May 26th that. Uh, 2014 that article um, and that's what Rand was referring to uh, it's it's my take on why small firm architects should not be abandoning AIA um, and and what Rand is doing is something that that's very interesting to me because I think there is a need for what uh, Arch is is proposing to uh, to serve uh, the small firm residential architect that you know the AIA uh, it's a very large organization and it can't do everything. And to have a smaller organization that, that only its only mission is to help residential licensed architects uh, is a great idea. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that attitude. And we look forward to you becoming a member some at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm seriously considering it. I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to look into it a little bit more. And, and that's one of the reasons why I invited you onto the podcast. Um, you know, I wanted to share what you're doing with my audience, but I also wanted to kind of uh, a little selfishly learn a little bit more about it. Um, and while doing it, share, share it with uh, our listeners. Well, you're in a unique position to do that. Um, and thank you for having us here. I, I hope uh, a lot of people, a lot of architects are listening because <clears throat> we've been uh, wondering amongst ourselves, uh, amongst our members, we have an executive committee. We Skype uh, every Wednesday uh, at 8.30 p.m. each other and then talk about things. We say, hey, well, you know, it's probably time we started to try to grow our membership some. And we say, well, okay, now how exactly we're going to reach, you know, hundreds or thousands of other architects. And then here you come. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is very fortuitous. Uh, yeah, that's my mission. You know, we want, we want to get everybody who's out there, all small firm architects to sort of help one another, whether you're a residential architect or not, um, to, to be out there and, and, and work 
with each other to support one another and to help each other grow. Well, you, you've really embraced what, what part of our, one of our advantages that we, we talk about, uh, uh, it's actually our point number 11 interpersonal caring members to help arch members, uh, where you're like a brother to other architects. And we encourage that, uh, to be like a brother or a sister, uh, to, uh, other, uh, fellow uh, architects that design homes because we really need help um, uh, unless we happen to know everything and I don't think any of us do um, and uh, having somebody there to help deal with issues in our businesses and lives uh, can really help uh, and and that's part part of the uh, background of, of Arch and part of what we offer uh, I think our members that not necessarily every other organization uh, uh, provides. Just two quick questions, and then let's get into the benefits of what Arch can can provide. Um, what year did it start? Uh, Twenty twelve is when we uh, founded the organization, um, and in twenty thirteen, uh, we legally turned it into what's called an LLC, a limited liability company. Um, although it really is a professional organization, and we did that within the state of North Carolina, although it is a national organization. And um, because it uses the word architects in it, we actually had to get permission to form the organization from the Board of Architects from the state of North Carolina. And uh, fortunately, they allowed that to happen. So uh, we are an LLC. Um, we discussed going not for profit, but there were some issues involving that that we didn't want to uh, embrace immediately. <clears throat> and uh, however, we may end up uh, doing that at some point. Uh, a lot of people don't even don't realize that uh, AIA is not a not-for-profit uh, entity. It is a what is it? Um, uh, I'm sure everybody there that's on their executive committee is screaming at the radio right now. <laughs> but but it's not that. It's, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a corporation. No, what? No, it's not. It's a non-governmental organization. I think that's the NGO. Yeah. That, that's the technical definition of, the, of what they do. And we may end up doing that at some point. I'm not sure, um, but uh, we, we are very careful with our resources. We do have resources. We do have an income. We have dues. And I'd like to point out, that's actually one of the benefits. 100% of the dues that we take in is used to support uh, the mission of licensed residential architects in the organization. Doesn't go to some big daddy big parent organization that that has other uh, interests that are like commercial architecture or whatever going on it's strictly focused on licensed residential architecture so all the money that people pay into it um i say all the money that's pretty funny our our, our yearly dues are only 150 bucks so uh you know that's that's i think a great value and how many members do you have currently it's relatively <clears throat> new so well um Arch projects having 100 members during uh, next year. We currently have members from Colorado through Eastern North Carolina or from Chicago down through Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we presently have about a dozen uh, members. Mm -hmm. uh, we only recently decided to begin building membership publicly. Uh, we've been establishing our legal business forum, uh, recently resolved our bylaws, established the Arch website, uh, which is, uh, you can just type in, just type in architects creating homes and we should be number one. Um, we refined the mission statements, the code of conduct, and other administrative matters on which to build a solid organization. 
We ultimately ultimately foresee thousands of members across the USA as membership grows. Let's face it, more architects design homes than any other type of architectural practice. Uh, Eventually, those professionals will become aware of Arch's presence and the fact that Arch is the only pure organization representing their interests and issues. Yeah, let's get into what you do. I also, while we talk about what you do, um, maybe we can also address CORA, uh, the Congress of Residential Architects, and CRAN, the uh, Custom Residential uh, architect network, which is um, CORE is an independent group and uh, CRAN is a, uh, a, a smaller group of the AIA. Um, what makes you different than those? Let's start there. Well, uh, nearly all of Arch's members continue to be AIA members or were AIA members. Uh, Arch is not intended as an either or type of organization. We, we all join organizations for different reasons. And as I mentioned before, uh, we recommend that you join what feeds you, uh, puts food on your table professionally and intellectually, and members are welcome to be part of whatever organizations they feel comfortable joining. Uh, that being said, we believe that Arch has some distinct advantages. Um, Arch is the only organization composed of licensed architects who focus on residential architecture. Those other organizations have unlicensed members in them, and they have agendas that vary from that of licensed architects. Uh, we believe that it is better to focus on the issues of licensed architects, which are unique. Um, and let's talk about value. Our dues is less than one fourth of some of those other organizations, only, like I mentioned, $150 a year. And we believe you get a lot more for your money. Um, and as I mentioned, the use of dues, a big difference there between organizations. You know, when you pay your dues and some of those other entities, uh, you don't know where it's going. Uh, the use of our dues, 100%, is spent on improving residential architecture and helping residential architecture. Um, to our knowledge, we're the only professional organization whose dues are spent totally on the issues of licensed residential architects, not on commercial architecture, large administrative staffs, lobbying, or other activities. And we do have income sources. Um, resources, um, we talked about that, uh, professional brothers and sisters. Uh, and there's a whole lot of other advantages, but that's some of the main differences right there. Yeah. So let's let's say I join, and what are the top five benefits that I'm going to receive by joining uh, Arch? Well, uh, number one, um, we have a find an architect database to help the public find Arch members. Uh, when an architect joins Arch, they receive their own Arch web page on which they may include many of their projects and texts to describe their practice and one link back to their company website. Uh, we know of no other organization that provides us marketing assistance as part of basic membership dues. Uh, and there is an Arch Find an Architect database on the Arch website, which the public can search to find Arch member companies by specialty and or geographic location. Uh, some members join for this exposure alone, so that's one. Um, another. Uh, is the opportunity to have one or more of the Arch member projects featured on the Arch homepage slideshow. Uh, in addition to the previous uh, item I mentioned, uh, when an Arch jo- when an architect joins Arch, they have the ability to have at least one of their best projects featured on the main Arch website slideshow that appears at the top of every Arch webpage, giving Arch members tremendous exposure. Uh, third, uh, you can improve residential architecture in your practice. Uh, be part of the only independent professional organization composed of 100% licensed architects working with Arch members to improve our situation in America and to improve the practice of residential architecture. 
Just a few of the issues Arch focus groups are addressing include construction document numbered notation systems, uh, residential specifications, environmentally responsive design techniques, improved insulation in houses, healthier home materials and systems. Oh, where do you hear this? Certified residential architect, uh, focus team system, the crafts program, which is newly adopted and in progress. Uh, and also in progress, Arch Design Awards program, quarterly Arch e-magazine, which is in progress, and a whole lot more. So certification, let's go back to that. What is, what is that, the, the crafts uh, program? What is crafts, that and how does that work? The crafts program is what we call the uh, Certified Residential Architect uh, Focus Team System, um, crafts, um, capital C-R-A and then small F-T-S. Um, that is a new system under development, and we've not yet rolled it out. But uh, what we what we're what we're attempting to do, then we had a lot of debate. It was a very heated debate about it <coughs> amongst our XCOM, the executive committee. Um, a lot of people said, "Oh, hey, you know, the AIA's talked about this." Evidently, there was some AIA group that wanted to start a medical uh, specialty group and so forth, which actually I don't really see a problem with. But um, uh, you know what? Uh, there's more architects designing homes than any other type of architecture being practiced in America today. And, you know, guess what? If you're designing 7-Elevens and, and car dealerships and Kroger supermarkets, you are not going to know as much as somebody that focuses on the design of homes. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, there, as a matter of fact, the AIA itself, uh, the, the Canadian a group of architects, uh, many state agencies, they all have defined the design of homes as one of the absolutely most complex things that a, an architect can undertake. Um, it is more happening. I mean, I used to design Veterans Administration medical centers. I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this a very long time. And there's more happening per square foot in a house than in any other type of project. And so the fact that it requires some special knowledge and some special education shouldn't be uh, anything to be viewed with anything other than a welcoming uh, because uh, it's, it's knowledge that we need to know so that we don't have problems. And uh, you know, some of the members that we have in ARCH have been doing this for over 40 years. And um, so our intention is to loosely base it on the old CSI system, one through, actually one through division 17 rather than division 16, and have there be a series of educational modules that have uh, questions. The first one, we, we, we ask everybody what you wanted to have the first one on, and some people uh, thought flashings. So uh, we're, we're in division seven, thermal and moisture protection. And so we're, we're working on a educational module that would be delivered through our website uh, when you pay to go through the certification program and you would take these just like a CEU, very similar to that. And then there'd be these uh, questions that would appear after you study the material and you answer the questions and you, know, you need to pass uh, 70% <coughs> to obtain certification after you pass all the sections. And like I said, it's still under development but that's the big idea. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. So it's it's basically it's not a license, but it's a it's a certification to show uh, potential clients that you're a certified residential architect that you 
have gone through a rigorous certification process and have passed that test. That's right. And we're, you know, no professional organization is in any position to license anything. That's something that uh, only the states can do, to my knowledge. Right, correct. And so, so we're not any trying to step on the states, any state's toes at all. What we're trying to do is say, look, uh, if somebody in the public uh, wants to uh, obtain somebody to design a house, uh, and you know we're already up against it in case your audience doesn't know it. There's already so-called certification programs for unlicensed people. And uh, the only way we can do anything to one up on that is to say, well, okay, you know what? You can't be a certified residential architect unless you are an architect and you have to be licensed. Right. So, so uh, the way you combat that is to say, okay, here's some specialized knowledge. And so if you've gone through the program, you can put that after your name, that's C-R-A-F-T-S. And uh, then the public can start understanding uh, that, oh, I need to look for somebody that's got that after their name to get the best possible design for my home. Um, because in case uh, some of your audience hasn't noticed, we have had a tremendous erosion uh, of our industry. <clears throat> I think even the AIA said that about six years ago, I think there was like 220,000 architects. And I believe about a year ago, they said there was about 180,000. What do you suppose happened to all those guys and gals? Yeah, they, they went on to do other things. Well, you know, I, you know, if they're still with us, you know, and so it's a very sad state of affairs. If anybody doesn't think there's an erosion in our profession, just look at those statistics. And so what, what we're trying to do in Arch is trying to put up a seawall <laughs> to uh, uh, bolster the position of licensed architects that design homes and also to serve as an educational uh, organization to help provide the knowledge that uh, uh, many of our members have, but that can share with other members so we get a good, well-rounded uh, uh, certification effort there. And I, I think that's a real exciting program, and we're really looking forward to rolling that out. It may take us a year or more to finally get that in position. Uh, we're working with our website people too, to develop the uh, online questioning. Um, but it looks like it's a very easy to achieve uh, uh, program. So um, do you have thoughts on, on how you're going to fund uh, <clears throat> Arch? Because well, you know, in, in order to, to gain the traction that you need and to and to grow it into the size of the organization that you really would want it to be to be effective um you're going to need some money well yeah and that's a good question uh we already have uh, uh a an income stream uh from our dues uh from our current membership and uh new members of course add to that every year um and once again, we believe it's a tremendous value. It's only one fourth of what some other organizations are. Um, and so that's one income stream. We also have uh, what we call arch forms, uh, agreement forms uh, available that <coughs> are still being developed and should be rolled out pretty soon, uh, such as contract forms, owner architect contract forms um, that we call agreement forms. And uh, we do that with a proviso, as I mentioned on your website today, in response to uh, who is the gentleman's name? Wojo. Uh, yeah. uh, that we, just like the AIA, we would encourage anybody that takes an agreement form 
not to just use it verbatim, but to in fact review it with your own counsel. That's always prudent. <clears throat> so, but we have uh, forms that have been created over, over decades with the input of attorneys that specifically address uh, the practice of designing homes uh, by licensed architects. And that has been sorely missing in the world. <clears throat> and uh, uh, so we've got that and that alone uh, is something that I think any uh, person that designed homes would want to have. And uh, that will be available soon. And so that will provide some more income there. Uh, we intend to uh, start producing a, uh, a yearly ARCH awards program called ARCH DES, means uh, ARCH Design Excellence Selection Program. <clears throat> and uh, there'll be some kind of a nominal registration fee for that. And uh, we, we believe that uh, residential architecture has been sorely lacking for some meaningful awards programs. Instead of just uh, awarding uh, flat-roofed white boxes, which I actually enjoy. I've designed a whole bunch of those myself in the past. But there's a whole uh, genre of, of residential architecture, many genres of residential architecture that have been not represented and so we intend for there to be probably at least 10 different categories. <clears throat> and uh, so that'll provide hopefully some more income there and also some much needed recognition to some extremely talented uh, residential architects. So that's some of them. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a, a residential uh, architecture design uh, awards program that that uh, is not only focused on on contemporary architecture, which I love. I love the architecture that is focused on those but it, you know we don't do a lot of that and we do some pretty nice architecture in our in our minds and we'd love to uh to uh, submit that to some awards programs you know what's really an eye-opening experience <clears throat> have you ever been to oak park in chicago no oh yes i have <laughs> it's funny that i say no yeah i was just there in uh, in december in the freezing cold did, did you tour the frank lloyd wright homes i did yeah, oh, it's, I only toured the actual design studio. Well, the they home, only, home studio. They only will have those homes available once a year, and I forget. I think it's I forget what time of year that is. They do that, um, but it, there's there's he's got a whole, a whole lot of his his flat roof designs, which are very nice. Um, but you you look off to the side, and there's this one really big home with this twelve and twelve pitched roof, and this big giant fireplace. And you say, wow, who did that? And you look at the plaque, it's Frank. Yeah. And not many people realize he used to do that. Right, that's what he started with. And and I, I noticed when I looked at that, how similar I thought it looked to some of what I'm doing right now. Um, so you can have the same kind of spatial uh, perceptions, but, but have a sloping roof too. And that seems to be what more clients want. Um, so, I don't really see any harm in doing that and, and uh, uh, bestowing some awards where merit is uh, worthy. Yeah, our clients, uh, our clients really like traditional architecture, but they, they sort of, I think, secretly desire contemporary architecture, but they, I think they're afraid to go all in on the contemporary architecture. So, so many of them ask for both, you know, they want, they want traditional architecture that sort of has that um, you know, modern cutting edge to it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we try to provide. It, uh, and it's a lot of fun to design that way. 
Well, it is. And I think a lot of it has to do with how you conceive things spatially. And uh, you can have a very modern space and a very modern house intellectually, but it can have uh, sloping roofs and stone and uh, board and batten and, and other elements that people might uh, assume is more cloaked in traditional clothing. Uh, but it's still a very contemporary house intellectually and how you live in it. Yeah, the the um, uh, residential designers, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, uh, many of my readers and uh, many of my listeners, uh, something that comes back to me over and over and over again are um, is how residential designers are sort of uh, stepping on the toes of residential architects. And, and in my mind, you know, everybody has, you know, it, their their place in the market. Uh, and my my answer to that is to be better. That's I've written articles about it, and and I, I think we just need to be better than those residential designers, and then we we claim our market. Uh, but I think to have an organization that supports residential architects and then differentiates us from designers, um, you know, in in a very positive way, uh, I think is a very helpful thing. Well, that's that's the whole plan. Um, ours is not. Our Arch's mission is not really to uh, say anything negative about other entities. It's to focus on what's good about what we all do and uh, to promote that. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing a, a very worthy service to the profession. So I, I thank you. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share about Arch? Uh, or did truth, we cover it all? Truth, justice, and the Arch way. <laughs> ARCH stands for what is good in-house design. Be part of the professional organization that is leading the way in improving residential architecture today. So how can, uh, if an architect wants to get involved, how do they do that? Well, uh, get on the ARCH website. Uh, there's a membership page and uh, you can click on that and find out how to uh, apply. It's very simple. Your email is your uh, application. Uh, we just ask for certain a brief pieces of information like your license number and the state of licensure and um, we do ask that you agree to participate in at least two different focus groups um, so that uh, your membership will mean something uh, and finding the arch website is the most important thing if, if anybody anywhere on the planet right now just types in architects creating homes in in their google browser we will pop up number one in the world okay well there you go Search for Architects Creating Homes and you'll find Arch. That's it. Thanks, Rand. Thank you very much for being with me today. Very interesting conversation. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. Is there a need for an organization dedicated exclusively to licensed architects serving residential clients? Residential architects out there, I want to know what you think. If you're interested in learning more about Arch, including information on how to become a member, or if you just want to contribute to the conversation, go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 33 and leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Before I wrap up, uh, if you haven't signed up for the Entree Architect Academy mailing list yet, there's still time. The first session will only be offered to members of the Academy mailing list and space for the Academy will be limited. So if you 
Want to be notified with details of the first session of Entree Architect Academy? Go to entrearchitect.com slash courses, sign up, join the list, and you'll be notified to have an opportunity to enroll in session number one coming soon. Also, I want to remind you, as I do every week, to leave a review or, or a, a rating at iTunes, entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. Tattoo that on your forehead and check it out in the mirror. entrearchitect.com slash iTunes sends you to my iTunes page on the web. Just click that button that's labeled view in iTunes and it will open up your iTunes app where you can leave a review for the show. Uh, I'd love to know what you think. So please go over there and do that right now. I do appreciate that because that gets us noticed by other architects. And, uh, and that's the mission here at Entrepreneur Architect on the podcast is to get as many architects listening to what we're talking about here so we can make some change. So, so that's a wrap. My name is Mark R. LePage and I am an Entrepreneur Architect. Thank you very much for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. 
It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.